This is Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jansen. And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Jacob Bertrand. Father Gregory. Um, so it's good to see you. That's the first. Uh, the second, I like to enumerate all of my points in list-like fashion, even if it yes. entirely quenches the leisurely spirit. Um, it's summer. Yes. As was once sung by somebody, Summertime and the Living is Easy, which was reprised by Sublime, which is the way that I know that song, but it goes back earlier. So I don't want to fail to acknowledge said recording artist. Yeah. It's in my head. Uh-huh. But you, you just give us a bar or two. I couldn't possibly. <laughs> Not at this moment, but it's like, gosh, we're going to have to, should we pull up Spotify right now? No. No? Yes. No, 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 no. no. Okay. We don't have internet. Um, oh, that's true. We live under a rock. So uh, if you want to donate to the podcast, we're looking to get internet for year five. So Patreon, check it out. <laughs> um, summertime, you know, you think at a certain point in your life that you will get beyond an academic schedule, but regardless of where one finds him or herself, summertime is always a little bit chill. Maybe that's the season. Maybe that's a false association with academic life. Regardless, summertime in the parish, summertime in the priory. How are things in New Hampshire? They're good. Um, we're finally getting into like the heat mm-hmm. of the summer. Mm-hmm. So we're pushing like the low eighties. Oh, nice. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you're right because, well, for me, even though it's at like parish life, whatever, we're like St. Dennis, we're, we're in Hanover, Dartmouth college, which governs just the whole rhythm of life. But yeah. Dartmouth is weird because we have these weird terms. They have these weird terms. So there's a summer term. So like, it's still pretty live and active or, around. But all the same, it slows. A lot of the the parishioners are associated with the college in some way. So, you know, they vacation or whatever. Fine. That's great. So things do slow. And about like beginning of June. So, what, I don't know, five, six weeks ago when that like slow was coming, I was very much looking forward to it and appreciating it because during the year it's busy, yeah. you know, with this, that and the other. So, yeah, it's things. I mean, it's like we don't like we haven't like taken mass off the table. You know, like they're still <laughs> doing that. But um <laughs> But yeah, it's good. It's kind of a little slow down um, and it's appreciated. So I'm just sunbathing on the green a lot more. My, just my forearms, you know, I just let loose a little bit, but that's it. But uh, yeah, it's good. So yeah, I Uh, imagine not really the same for you. I mean, moving back, starting life. I moved back. I moved into my room, my cell, as we say in pre-penitentiary terms. Um, And then preparing courses. I'm teaching one course in the fall, Theological Virtues, at the Estambul Institution, the Dominican House of Studies. And, and then in the spring, I'll teach two courses. So, yeah, reading, preparing a syllabus, and then writing out course notes so that I can summarily dismiss them before waxing eloquent on whatever occurs to me most recently in the context of my lectures, which is my abiding habit. Um, and then uh, just working on some other writing projects. So yeah, it basically looks the same, except there aren't courses to teach, just courses to prepare. And then once I start working for the Thomistic Institute, that basically goes by an academic schedule. So there'll be a yep. lot of hustle and flow once the academic rhythm picks up. Another thing that we do during the summer <laughs> is we often go on retreats, uh, whether that be a God's planning retreat or another retreat besides, uh, because it's a good, it's a good way to, uh, to step back, to reevaluate, to reassess, and then to engage your life with new rigor and vigor. Um, so when you hear the word retreat, positive association, negative association, I don't mean to speak too much to your wounds. I don't know if you have them. I have retreat wounds, but I'll speak of those later. Uh, what do you think? Retreats? It's tough. <laughs> I'm going to be super honest. Yeah. Um, 
let me talk about something first. Okay. And yeah. then I'll talk about me. Perfect. Particular, but it's about retreats. Good. I remember at some point early on in formation, <clears throat> we were we were preparing for some retreat. I don't, it might've been like, so for those who don't know, which might be most everybody, I don't yeah. know why people would know this, but as religious, we take a yearly retreat, yeah. right? So, um, but I remember telling my, my mom that we were like going to be on retreat next week. So like, I'm not going to, I would call home once a week. Like I'm not going to call. And she was just like, what, isn't your whole life like a retreat? Like, what are you, what are you retreating from? Like, that's crazy. Like, which is like fair. Yeah. Um, so that has colored my approach to retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I've had very, I've had a handful of like really good experiences on retreats, whether they've been like with the community or participating in some other way. I've had a handful of really bad experiences re- with retreats where it's just been like, when is this going to be over? Yeah, yeah. And then I've had like, a whole host of like, yeah, that was good. I'm sure there was fruit born, but I think that at least in that, in those I recognize, or maybe this is just me placating myself that like, regardless of my emotional kind of reaction or investment in it, that the Lord's grace is at work in these moments that we set aside. So I'm, I'm pro retreat mm-hmm. in principle and in practice, but like in emotional response, I'm not always there, but that's, that's a me thing. Yeah. I, I realize that's a, one of the, few imperfections in my, in my life. <laughs> I, I think I, my response to retreats tracks with yours. Certainly we took retreats in the novitiate, lots of retreats in the novitiate. And then we took retreats throughout the course of formation up and through priesthood ordination. Um, it was priesthood ordination kind of sounded the death knell for my good retreat experience because uh, we were preparing for ordination and for all of the ordination events afterwards, which involved like celebrating masses as a class at this, that, and the other place. And um, I was still doing a lot of those logistics while on retreat, which is stupid. Uh, I am calling myself stupid, let it be clear. And uh, as a result of which I never really entered into the retreat. Um, And then the next time that I tried to take a retreat, I just got myself all stressed out and bent out of shape. And it was the point where like, I wasn't sleeping. And I was like, you're trying so hard to be on a retreat right now that you are achieving the exact opposite end. And so I just left. I just drove home from the retreat center after a couple of days. And I was like, forget it. But at one point in our Dominican life, uh, an estimable professor and mentor said, you know, you kind of get the experience of being on retreat if you yourself preach a retreat. So I use that as a massive rationalization slash justification to not take a personal retreat for like the past seven years. (laughs) That's great. So uh, I stand before you as an an exemplary religious, but I am going on retreat this year for the first time in a minute. For what? Like a half day before you come back home? (laughs) I'll for, pray for that for six days. I'm doing the, I'm doing the six days. I'm actually going to go with my dad. So I'm nice. pumped about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all right, let's, let's think about retreats because sometimes people have the leisure to take them sometimes not, but if they have the leisure to take them, it's good to have uh, a kind of approach or a kind of mentality with which to go about it. So I think typically when people talk about retreats, they're talking about stepping back. That's the word, that's what the word means. Uh, and then, <laughs> I guess it does. I've actually not thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> stepping back and then reflecting on their lives and then re-entering you know, real time as it were with, uh, just a renewed vision of reality. So, all right, stepping back, what do you think are good things about stepping back? How do we approach this, this disposition of stepping back from our life? Yeah, I think uh, a through line that I'm going to keep coming back to is sort of managing expectations in each of these. So like stepping back, entering in and re-entering kind of, however, that's yeah, yeah. totally not what you said, but that's, that's what I'm going to say Close because enough. it's my turn to talk. Now, <laughs> right? That's how this works. Uh, um, so yeah, I think because I mean, simply put, like because of like the chaos and business busyness of life, the there ought to be an imitation of Christ. Like this is 
what this is all about. We're imitating Christ. So an imitation of Christ who's retreated, step back, step back to pray with the father, you know, to the father to be, you know, times of prayer, these sort of things. Um, and then an imitation of the apostles who took time aside, you know, fine. There's like obvious reason for doing this. Um, that, that in the chaos and busyness of our lives, we ought to find times to be less chaotic and less busy. Um, and whether that's with, we can see that through like the cycle of the liturgical year and Advent Lent like offers us a time to do something different, but we can also do something different like in retreat settings. So I think that's just the basic principle of finding a time to be sort of take a step back, take a breather, spend that time with the Lord, invest in the Lord in a way that we might not typically, whether that's going on just a silent retreat to have more silence, to have time to listen, to have time just to be with, whether that's like a guided retreat where there's spiritual direction and that sort of thing, whether it's more like conference and talk based. Um, I mean, there are a whole host of different types, but it's if we're it needs to be, I think, thought of, of retreating into something that's other mm -hmm. um, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of, you know, getting to be with Christ. I do think the, the the sort of caveat or warning there about the expectation management is that, um, and I think perhaps you and I fall into this where it's like, I'm going to go on retreat and it's just going to be perfectly contemplative and serene. It's like, yeah, it's not nah, because like the last 365 days haven't been that. So it's not just going to flip. So I think it's okay. Thing is like we retreat, we're not going to leave everything behind, but it's a time to like leave a little bit behind. Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing. Or kind of decompress, head in the direction of leaving things behind. Yeah. 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 I, I think too, you know, sometimes people need convincing that retreat is a responsible move because the world is crazy and there's so many things to do. And how could we possibly be negligent of our responsibilities for, you know, three days or seven days or however many days? I think, I think too, retreat helps us to focus on the goal. The goal is heaven and heaven is contemplative. So the, the contemplative life will reign supreme in heaven. Uh, there might be active dimensions of heaven, uh, but they're not going to be animated by need or by like lack or indigence. It's not like God's not going to be like, quick, you know, like get the kebabs on the grill. We got to get this ready. Um, I don't know. I guess like God comes from Oyster Bay, New York or something like that, regardless. Um, so that's not going to happen. And as a result of which our life here on earth should reflect something of the life in heaven, because it's not like do all this crazy stuff here and then heaven will be entirely different. It's like, no, that's not what we were promised. The kingdom of heaven is here in our midst, and it's for us to kind of acclimatize ourselves to it such that when it comes time to die and we go before the Lord, we're like, yeah, I kind of recognize this. I've been living towards this for a bit now. Um, so I think that sometimes people people need a little convincing that, yeah, that retreat is good. And I think that, like we see this too just on like a physical um, emotional, psychological level. I think about the way that we often interact with technology. It can be very draining, but it also can be very addicting. So thinking of like, computer, email, like if you've been away from your email for however many hours, depending on who you are and what, you know, sector of the business world you work in, you, you start to feel it, you know, it's like, uh, they're coming for me or like with your phone. Um, yeah, there's just also like kind of modes of dependency. So sometimes retreat can help us to clear the space physically or emotionally or, or psychologically. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Yeah. The, <clears throat> the, I think therein lies the biggest challenge in those two things. I, I'll just speak for myself, the sort of like work anxiety of like, if I go away for a weekend, I'm going to be so behind on work when I get back that it's like, it's not worth going away kind of thing. Or like the, to, well, what if someone texts me? Like, I mean, both of those, like, I know I battle with both of those is like, oh, I, if I don't, if whatever, if I, if 
I don't attend to this or what, but like in the end, it's kind of like, who cares? And what's the point of life? You know, the end point of life is what you were just describing that it's, it's Christ. It's preparing to be with Christ. And, um, so for that, like the rest in the, in that scale, it's like Jesus and like YouTube shorts. It's like, who should win? (laughs) Often the YouTube shorts win in my experience, but it ought not be that way. And it's okay for Jesus to win for us to say, eh, pause the rest. Yeah. I, I read a book at the recommendation of our own father, Edmund McCullough, who is the chaplain at Brown University. Brown University? Mm-hmm. Brown University. Yep. Who's a gem. But he recommended this book. I think it's by a married couple. Their last name is Crouch. It's called The TechWise Family. Um, and they just suggest ways in which to kind of make a family home, a place where your kids can flourish and become creative and imaginative and not enslaved to technological means. And uh, one thing that he suggests, and I've forgotten the exact enumeration, I love how most of my life is just kind of approximations, but he's like, every every day you should be without technology for an hour. Every week you should be without technology. I forget exactly, like a half a day, and then every year maybe set aside a week. Um, so like a retreat can serve that purpose where you kind of distance from your technology. And I know that there are some uh, podcasters or internet pundits like Matt Fred or like... Um, yeah, I think Ruben does this too, where it's just the whole month of August, they step back from technology because they're so immersed in that digital yeah. space that it can become so consuming and they become anxious on account of the fact that like everyone's saying everything and it's usually directed at them and often with like a lot of vitriol. And so they just they just distance so that way they become, yeah, better able to engage subsequently. So I think that they're just good, kind of good sound management principles in the background. Okay, so that's thinking about retreating. Now let's think about actually doing the retreat itself. One thing, yeah, you gave sound counsel. Don't expect for your contemplative life to just skyrocket from moment one and continue all the way through the entirety of the retreat. So then, you know, how do you approach a retreat? How do you manage expectations you describe so that you have a good one? Yeah, I I think I'll talk more about this when we talk about kind of like leaving the retreat or what's the opposite of retreat? Treating. Advance. When we treat (laughs) instead of retreat. Um, but the, I think we have retreats in these sort of moments that are set aside as times to enter in or be more intentional about our relationship with Christ and our time with him. Um, they have to be looked at, I think with a long-term vision of not just like, what am I getting in this weekend? And I'll talk about that in a second, but like a week or whatever the, re- the, the length of the retreat is or half a day in your case or whatever. Uh, but like what, it, how is the Lord working and preparing me to like continue to grow? and continue to mature and strengthen and, you know, going forward. So if we think of them, if we think of like the, the weekend or the, or, or the week, the, the time of retreat as just a sort of isolated moment in time, like we're kind of missing the whole, like the point of what it is. It's, it's an isolated moment. It's a particular moment in time, but with like eyes looking, moving mm-hmm. forward. So, but in the, in the moment, um, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if I have a ton of like advice of like do this or that, but for doing what's on hand at the retreat, you know, investing in that. So if you're going on a silent retreat, then you should be silent and follow that. You know, if you're going on a retreat that's like led by a preached retreat or that sort of thing, it's like enter into that, give give yourself to that. Um, we want like I want to affirm, I guess what I'm getting at is the reality that our Lord works in these moments. And if we're setting aside time to spend with him and to be with him, then we ought to set like actually set aside that time. So like we were talking about phones and that sort of thing. It's like, well, we're not on a retreat to like answer emails, truth be told. So let's just enter in. And yeah, with that, with the sort of expectation management of what's well, should you expect a sort of like glorious transformative 
transfigured kind of moment on a retreat? Like, no. Well, and this is like following the same principle that you enumerated or the same principle that you talked about. Whereas like, like what we do now is not wholly different than what is to come like in heaven. And it's a preparation for that. That's a continuation. So too, with what's happening on a retreat that, um, our life with Christ often isn't marked by these huge glorious moments. And, um, if we're looking for that on a retreat, well, I think we're ex- like the expectation expectation is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that the Lord isn't working. It doesn't mean that his grace isn't being poured out in a particular special way or, you know, these kind of things. So um, I think it's kind of entering in in a sort of like detached reality. Like I'm going, I'm going to enter into what's before me and I'm going to allow the, the the Lord to work as he sees best. And I'm I'm here, like I'm, I'm ready to receive. I think that kind of attitude of of reception is is a really good one. Um, without parameter, without boundary, without like my preconceived expectations or without my sort of demands put on the Lord, like I'm here to receive what you're offering. Yeah. Um, I think that sets us up for success, success, whatever the heck that means. Yeah. No, I think, uh, just pursuant to that comment, I think that there are two tendencies in approaching a retreat, which we might caution. So the one is to treat a retreat like a very, very long holy hour, which it's not. Right. Sometimes we think about a retreat in terms of like, you know, this is a prayer experience. Well, if it's a preach retreat, it's also an experience of listening to preaching, which is different. It's not to say it's inimical to prayer, but this is a time for you to be fed, to be nourished by the life of prayer and study of another, and then to have that take root uh, and then, you know, blossom in your own life. Uh, So that's good. Like, don't think about it as like, "Ah, I just got to get to the prayer piece and get out of the way of all these other obstacles or avoid all these other obstacles. No, it's just like, the retreat is an experience in itself. It's a, it's a different thing. It's like when we talked about the Camino, a pilgrimage is it's life encompassing. It's a whole thing. It's not like a holy hour in a different register. It's, it's just different. It's a spiritual yeah. exercise and you feel it in your body. And I think retreat has something of that same dimension to it. The other, I would say, the other thing that I would say is don't be afraid to be bored on a retreat. I think sometimes people look at these vast tracts of unstructured time and then they compare it to their life. Otherwise, say you're a busy mother and you think of all of your time in terms of how can I get the more onerous chores done while the kids are sleeping and then while the kids are awake, how can I manage their homework and the fact that they have just upended an entire box of cosmetics on the second floor and the fact that the plumber is coming to, you know, so like there's all these things that you have to manage. Uh, But on a retreat, sometimes you approach it with a similar management type mentality, but it's not It's not to be done that way. It's not like, okay, I've been thinking about reading X, Y, and Z spiritual classics, so I'm going to plan out all of my time so that way I conquer these books by the end. Just don't worry about it. It's fine for you to be bored. It's fine for you to sleep in. It's fine for you to take a little walk with no particular purpose. It's fine for you to listen to a beautiful piece of music. I don't know what that might be, but to listen to a beautiful piece of music, maybe on a religious theme, those are all good and they don't have to, you don't have to subject them to the standard of maximization or optimization. Yeah, well, another, I I think, us in like religious life too talk about like the ways by which fraternity can kind of be nourished too on retreat. So I think it's a great thing to to go on a retreat with somebody, yeah. um, whether that's a friend or a group of friends. And that doesn't mean that like you spend every moment of the retreat together, but there are times to like just sit and chat. Yeah. You know, there are times to reflect on things. You know, so that that that's also I think sometimes the idea of retreats like becomes very like monastic, like I'm alone, everything else is boxed out. It could be that, but it doesn't have to be that. And I think we can be okay with looking at our, or we should be okay with looking at our temperaments and our desires and like what nourishes and feeds and that sort of thing and figuring out, okay, this is how this can be done well and conducively. 
that's a word. Yeah. My last thought on, on this particular point before turning then towards how we engage with the life that awaits us back at home is, um, yeah. So again, you don't have to hyper-spiritualize it. We, you know, we talked about taking walks and, you know, spending time, good conversational time with friends. Another thing too is fiction. Like I, on the retreats that I have taken that have gone well, I'll read, I'll, I'll read religious fiction. Um, so if there's a, a novel by a Catholic author that I've wanted to read and I hear is very delightful, it's the, t- the type of book that kind of reads itself. It's not like, and now I will turn the page and now I will read these pages. You know, it's just, it's something that's wonderful. Like Graham Greene's The Power and the Glory, for instance, for those who are, you know, thinking about a vocation to the priesthood. It's great. Yeah. Read that. It's not like I have to take everything up or, or ratchet everything up to the, to the register of hyper-spiritual on a retreat just because it's a spiritual exercise. It's still a human life which inhabits this space. And you as a human person are being formed, you know, humanly and intellectually and spiritually and pastorally, you know, in the case of religious or priests. So I think it's good to, to reflect that balance in the way that you approach it as well. Boom. Okay, so then having retreated, having then done the retreat, we're now heading back to our life. We're advancing. We're engaging. What would be some good principles to approach this with? Yeah. Um, I think the overarching one I've already mentioned, but we'll mention again. Oh. Why not? Yeah. Um, I think this is a bigger, this isn't just with respect to retreats, but is a bigger, I think, point within our, within the spiritual life and our relationship with Christ is that I don't, I don't, it, I think it's a bad idea to atomize or what's another word for that? Um, sort of like uh, isolate. Uh, maybe compartmentalize, I like, compartmentalize yeah. Yeah. Um, various times, seasons, activities, things in our lives as if they only exist for one kind of period and then we move on. And here I think uh, a good example is is like Lent. You know, we mm-hmm. take up these Lenten penances, observances, we do them well or mildly well or not that well. And then Easter comes and like that's that it's easy to say or it's easy to have the approach of like, OK, Lent's done. So all that's done. Um but in reality, that that time, that time of preparation of penance is supposed to draw us more deeply into Christ. And we're supposed to kind of carry on, not necessarily with the same intensity of penance and that sort of thing, but supposed to carry on on that track of living more virtuously, living more whatever and more prayer, you know, the, prayerfully. So, too, with the retreat, like I don't think approaching a retreat is like I'm just going away. For a few days and then i'll just get back to what i was doing before is the right mentality it's 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 much more of sort of like here i am with the with this time here i am with our lord and how is that going to shape my life going forward mm-hmm. so that's less of an action step kind of do this thing and much more of a sort of approach mentality thing of yeah what is the lord doing now and i might not know in the three days of retreat like how he's been working and that might come after prayerful time with him later um but it's it's a sort of building rather than a sort of here's one time here's one time here's one time no it's it's a much more of a kind of building reality so i think that's that's like if we're not doing that then like there's no point in going on the retreat yeah, kind of yeah. thing that's where my mind is on it yep when um uh, father joseph anthony and i talked with father sean kilcally we were talking so the the point of the episode was overcoming pornography addiction and he was talking about Exodus 90, and a lot of men will use Exodus 90 as a way by which to overcome pornography addiction or, you know, uh, habitual sin of masturbation. And he, he says when, it, when a guy tells him that he's doing Exodus 90, he often asks him, are you doing Exodus 90 or are you doing masturbation 91? You know, it's like, do you have a plan for continuing these spiritual practices beyond the actual program itself? Which I think is just, it's just great sound advice. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that on day one, you're already thinking about how you're going to bring the fruits of the retreat back with you home because you haven't yet 
You haven't yet picked those fruits. They haven't yet ripened. Um, and so I think you can begin to ask those questions maybe on the second to last day, on the last day of retreat, but you're going to continue, like you said, to ask those questions as they come to uh, a greater clarity in the context of the life of prayer. So in, in embracing this vision of continuity, that this retreat is an intensification of my experience, not a setting aside of a particular time that doesn't pertain to the rest, as an intensification of my experience, then I'm going to unpack it in my subsequent experience. And then the Lord is going to give indication of how this is meant to apply in my life. And I think in my own experience, I often like will adopt certain penances and then I'll watch those penances kind of come to pieces. And in part, you know, I can point the finger. I ought to point the finger at myself, but, but in part it's when I travel, um, I find myself in a different space or in a different rhythm. And then things which were baked into the rhythm of the conventual life aren't as much when I'm at this retreat center or at this TI event or whatever. So I like to use, you know, retreats, which I had just admitted to not taking that often, uh, or I like to use kind of spiritual renewal moments as a way to recollect myself in, you know, things that have been put on my heart previously. Are they being put on my heart again now? It's like uh, my spiritual director recommended that I would make a visit to the chapel in between or like in the middle of work periods. So you have these big times where you work for like three, four hours. It's like take a little visit because that breaks me out of the efficiency mentality and kind of just puts me back in the this work is for God. Um, and sometimes I'll do that and then sometimes I'll forget, but a retreat, you know, you're always bopping in and out of the chapel. So it helps you to, uh, to again, be recollected in the aspirations that you had previously and may have permitted to cool. Yeah. I don't know. F further thoughts on getting back to your life. Um, I think just one more, I think the, the, we have to be okay with like reality smacking us again, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, the, we've taken time to step away. We've been hopefully investing in that time that we've stepped away. And then how do we take that forward? But it's also when we go forward, when we treat, when we get back from the retreat, um, uh, we're going to be faced with the realities of life again, as you described, like managing, trying to manage things as like a mother or, or like work, you know, like the, it's going to come. So again, it's like a management expectation. Like don't be shocked by the slap that's coming back. Um, you just have to, be ready to engage with reality. Um, and all of that's okay. It's like, okay to go on a retreat and think that was great or that was terrible. And then get back to work and be like, maybe I should be on a retreat again, or I'm never going on a retreat. Like it's, that's all okay. We just need to like be ready for it and be ready to still see the Lord's work and his grace at work in those moments, in those times, in the sort of like whatever wave of retreating and coming back and, um, so I think if we're just expecting reality to be real, then we're much better prepared than being like surprised by like, now I have a thousand emails instead of 990 if I had I not gone away and it's fine. Yeah. All right. Maybe for just uh, to wrap it up, do you have any recommendations of places uh, where people might go on retreat or places where they might, you know, have a good retreat, anything that comes to mind? I don't have any particular places. Okay. Um, I guess as far as places in general, I think go to a place that you like, like whether that's this sounds maybe ridiculous at the outset, but whether that's like mountainous or beachy or urban, or that's a little more tougher, but like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. go somewhere where you're comfortable or where you want to be. Because if you go somewhere where you, if you're going to like some desert kind of thing, like, and you hate the desert, it's like, how does that make sense? It's not going to work, you know? Um, so I would say go somewhere you want to be, or will be excited to be, or even somewhere new, like, mm -hmm. or somewhere familiar, if that's more your thing. Um, I, as far as like where or what to do on retreats, I would find people or like groups or things that you like. Um, so go listen to somebody that you like. 
go and that might be hard to find at first but like go find things that you want to be part of don't just go on a retreat just to do it especially if it's like a preached retreat or like a group thing um and i would i like to do things with friends so that's my thing like go with a, even if it's a silent retreat for a weekend like it's good to have that company um going coming back there so like go somewhere you like do something you like go with people you like because why not yeah yeah my only things to add would be uh you might consider going to a holy place whether like a pilgrimage site yeah Mo- most listeners uh you know are in the united states and um there are you know places that we would consider holy here in the united states like um there's the one approved diocesan approved Marian apparition site up in Wisconsin, uh, which, you know, might, might draw you or, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. I mean, that's, that's obviously a much bigger thing and a much busier thing. Uh, or you might go to like a monastery, a uh, place where people have prayed and continue to pray and can invite you into their life and rhythm of prayer. It's also a great gift to be able to just kind of be carried along for a retreat. You don't have to invent it. You don't have to make up spiritual exercises. You can just adopt the form of life, which has, you know, proven efficacious in the lives of those who have lived it. Um, or you, like you said, beach or, you know, mountain, just find a place which is, which is beautiful. Yeah, uh, because I think there's something very healing and growing about beauty, especially if you live in a in a brutal urban environment for the most part, or even suburban environment that can be even more brutal. Um, boom. All right. Any final thoughts? Final recommendations? Yeah, there's um, you know, there's this group called God's Planning who more. does some retreats. Say more. <laughs> no, I have not. That was just a shameless plug, but I have no oh, more. Yeah, That's, yeah. Those are my recommendations. Shameless plugs are always in order. So uh, at the time of this episode's airing, the retreats that you ought to be uh, you ought to, to be aware of are the men's retreat, which is August 10th through 13th in Brevard, North Carolina at Camp Cadalea Chastatanga. And then the young adults retreat, which we haven't yet announced so i'm not going to announce it but it's coming your way stay tuned stay tuned get excited might be at a beach might be on a mountain (laughs) get wrecked okay so thanks so much for listening to this episode of god's planning please follow us on facebook instagram and twitter Uh, like subscribe and leave a five-star review because that helps to get the word out and get other people implicated so that way in hearing the word of god preach please god they might be transformed thereby Um, If you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, you can follow the link in the description and or show notes, depending on where you consume your podcasts. In the same links, uh, you'll find, or among the same links, you'll find merchandise options and then those retreats, which we announced. Uh, The signups for the applications for which are on godsplaining.org. So, know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on Godsplaining.